All right. Hello. Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I am your host, Jason Napolitano, and I have on the line Mr. Chris Sheridan. And our show here explores Jungian mythological and esoteric ideas to help you on the path to individuation and self-realization. So we're exploring those ideas each week to basically help you live a better life. So I want to introduce Mr. Chris Sheridan, who is on the line every week, and he's the co-host. And I thank you for being here, Chris. How are you doing today? I'm uh, doing great. Thanks for having me here. And it's uh, we have a lot of birds outside, so that may be part of the uh, part of the thing today. It's always a pleasure to have birds in the background. And you'll notice that I'm 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 introducing things in a little different way. If you're a, a normal listener to the show, if you're a first time listener, you know this is this is all new to you. Uh, but we are trying to explore a little different format. And it's going to continue to unfold, and we're still going to cover a lot of the, the same great subjects we have been talking about, but in a little different way. So you'll see what we mean by that as we let it unfold today. All right. So I am the author of If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. Chris is the author of The Spirit in the Sky. Uh, his website is chrissheridan.com, and our Cosmic Eye website is cosmiceye.org, and you can find out more about both of our stuff on those respective websites. Uh, so we're going to take a look today at the shadow. This podcast is called Shadow Work, and I'm going to set you up and I'm going to give you a few questions as, as listeners to think about before we even discuss the subject. So here we go. Have you ever just looked at somebody and decided before you even met them that you didn't like them and you had no idea why? Have you ever experienced love at first sight and then after becoming involved with that person, broke up and ended up hating them? Have you ever screamed at a politician or business leader on TV or the internet and then went on a long tirade that ended up leaving you in a bad mood? Or finally, have you ever idolized or been a huge fan of an actor, artist, entrepreneur, great figure from history, any of those sorts of things? All right, think about those things. You probably answered yes to most of those questions. So if you've experienced at least one of those things, then today's show is definitely going to help you live a better, more conscious life. Uh, today, we're going to look at this powerful and yet potentially dangerous part of ourselves that Dr. C.G. Jung called the shadow. The shadow. Sounds a little ominous, doesn't it, Chris? It does. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really isn't once we start to look at it. So we're going to explore some context and background about the shadow. Then we're going to look at exactly what the shadow is. We're going to do a deep dive into it, why it's crucial for our health and survival to understand it, and finally, how you can safely and constructively work with this great unseen power. All right. So let us jump into the context and background then. Uh, I'll, I'll start a little bit, and then I'll let you, I'll let you go uh, and talk a little bit as well. So this basic concept of the shadow then is from Jungian psychology. And of course, this is uh, one of the most important and least understood parts of our own psyche or psychological structure. It is, after all, in the shadow. It's something that's behind us, something that we don't see. Now, Jungian psychology, uh, as most of us know, is otherwise known as analytical psychology and was created, of course, by Dr. C.G. Jung. And he's that great Swiss psychiatrist and psychologist who's so famous for his theories such as the complex and projection and the types and his idea of the archetypes and all these concepts that are so well known in pop psychology in the new age today. Uh, and he was born in 1875 and died in 1961. So 
in Jung's view, there are different invisible parts of ourselves, and these are collectively known as the psyche, which is the Greek word for soul. That's the kind of totality of our inner life, the psyche. Uh, and this is broken down first into the conscious and unconscious. Um, let's talk a little bit about that real quick, just to kind of do an overview of that. So that conscious is obvious, right? We know that that's a, a part of ourselves that we know. That's our thinking mind, right? Uh, tell me a little bit about the unconscious as you understand it. Well, as the conscious is, it's what we're aware of. Um, we're kind of the, the, consciously the aware. That sounds, yeah, that sounds uh, redundant, you know, consciously aware. Uh, but we're also aware that there's stuff that we're, we're not looking at or that we can't see or don't want to look at. Uh, so a lot of what happens um, with the unconscious, it's the kind of the underlying, it can be a personal unconscious, that which, you know, is below um, your awareness. Um, and then there's the, on the collective level, uh, that it's all the unaware contents of everybody kind of working together as a force that can also influence us and can affect us deeply, which is why it's important to study this stuff. So can really get a, a handle on it. Great point. And that collective unconsciousness was known also as the, the objective, the objective psyche or the, uh, you know, or the transpersonal, uh, of course. And that's, that's this sort of, um, you're right, like this something, this sort of large, the large psyche, the collective, the macro version of the, of the unconscious. The unconscious too can be thought of, I like the idea, some people often talk about it as a, a sort of the iceberg below the surface uh, that our mind is, you know, we see that portion of the top of the iceberg and think, well, that's all there is to it. this tiny little tip that sticks out of the water. That's the conscious mind in a sense. And then the unconscious is that, you know, looming gigantic iceberg below the surface that actually is moving that tiny little thing that we think is the, the consciousness, right? So that's kind of an, an interesting picture to look at. So speaking of that conscious, then there's there's many parts of the psyche that we're not going to necessarily cover today. We'll go a little bit over them just to kind of do an overview. Mostly today, what we're going to concentrate on is persona, ego, and shadow. Uh, we're going to talk about those now. These The persona and the ego are mostly in the conscious part of the mind. So the persona or the mask is who we want the world to see us as. It's our sort of role in the world. It's, you know, that persona is actually the Greek word for mask, right? It is. It came from the Greek theater that they would put on this, you know, mask with like a big facial expression. Uh, so people in the back row could see it was sort of very practical, theatrical. And we know this from acting. There's the masks of comedy and tragedy. Those are. Personas. Yeah. Good point. Good point. From the theater. And I, there, I remember somebody, I think might've been uh, Dr. Von Franz or maybe Robert Johnson, somebody that, you know, identifies themselves with that persona is usually a, a, a wild boar. There's some sort of a really, you know, egotistical, egocentric type of person. If you're completely identified with a persona, it's the person who comes home and he's the professor at home and drives everyone to distraction. You know what I mean? If you can't let go of that persona, it's a, it's a difficult thing. So the ego then is this conscious thinking aspect of ourselves, right? So that is who we most often think of as the me, quote unquote, the me. Do you have any more to say on the ego? I and mean, we'll just kind of briefly go through it, but anything on that? Well, if the persona is, you know, what the face that you show that people can see, uh, that you want people to see, the ego is more like what you know, what you know about yourself. And you may know things that you're not showing, <laughs> 
So the ego might have more, there's more to it maybe than the persona. Uh, it's a deeper level, but it's, it's a, but it's still on the level of what we are consciously aware of mm -hmm. ourselves mm -hmm. uh, and kind of who we think that we are. Um, Good point. And, and it's, and, you know, it's connected to the unconscious though, but we don't really understand how oftentimes, and we don't understand, you know, those different connections. So that's, that's what doing this work, why doing this work is so important. So we're going to get a little bit more into this unconscious now, and these are the kind of mostly unconscious aspects of ourselves. Some of them do pop up in dreams and some of these things we will recognize in ourselves. Uh, the unconscious primarily is made up of archetypes and complexes, drives, images, instincts, patterns, uh, etc. And again, like I said, most of this is going to go beyond the scope of the show today, but we're kind of introducing it here just to contextualize this so we can understand the persona, ego, and shadow better. Uh, the shadow, of course, as we said, is the main focus of the show, but we're just, you know, setting it into context. Uh, the second part of the unconscious is a very important part is the anima and animus. Um, these are the contrasexual or opposite uh, sexual qualities in man or woman. So in other words, uh, in a man, that would be the anima, and that's the feminine qualities. In a woman, that would be the animus, and these are the, the masculine qualities in a woman, uh, archetypally speaking. Uh, and then finally, you have the self, and that's the organizing principle. Can you speak a little bit more on the self? Well, that's the S uh, with a capital S, self. Um, that it's not the small self, which might be a little more aligned um, with the ego. If, say, for instance, you want to observe yourself or watch yourself or watch your thoughts or become more aware of uh, what maybe you're doing unconsciously or habitually, um, ritually, um, who is that you that's looking at you? <laughs> that's more of the self, and it's a higher self. Uh, it's a part of, uh, often, it's part of ourselves that we're not really in tune with or in touch with, um, but it's a larger, uh, better, a more powerful, uh, you could call it your higher power if you wish, um, but it is this, you know, totality of yourself, the things you know, the things you don't know, uh, but also a more involved or more um, hmm, spiritual, I guess, part mm -hmm. of ourselves is kind of hard to say, sure. uh, you know, what it is, but it, it's the grander you. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 you that, the you that you don't even realize that you are. That's something much more than what you show and, and what you think you know. Great, uh, great definition. Great way to look at it. And it's oftentimes known, too, as, as the God image. Uh, you see that in uh, the archetypal images this is, or um, in dreams, it'll often show up as a mandala or a circle shape or a, a circle with a cross in the middle of it and so forth, you know, for symbol, uh, for symbolism in dreams, we see it, we see the, uh, the self as represented by those symbols and shapes and so on. Uh, Jung it's also, um, let me just throw this in real quick. It's, uh, I guess I left it out, but it's, um, it's related to wholeness. It's, mm. As far as this total self, which would include your persona, your ego, your shadow, your anima, your animus, all these other parts, that there's a, a unifying wholeness. And it's almost the goal of increased consciousness or individuation or Absolutely. enlightenment is that, that, you know, you become the self. Maybe you start out as the small s self and through this process, you, you really become that. In a way, we already are, but to really become that uh, move into that 
place. The, the dog definitely seems to agree, as do the birds. So we, hey, we, have, birds. we have instinct on our side today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the shadow is, is really more, most connected with our animal nature. And the ego is kind of up in the head. And the persona is really on the surface. But yeah, absolutely. our instinctive animal nature is... Is one in of that the shadow, yeah, realm of the shadow, yeah. So, Great thank point. you, shadow dogs. Thank you, shadow dogs and birds. Um, lastly, on that, on that self, just to tag on to what you were saying, uh, another concept um, in terms of individuation is the idea of uh, this alignment or this conversation between the ego and the self, and it's and it's kind of this um, creation of a relationship between the ego and the bigger self, and really the goal, like you said, is the merging. Or, you know, depending, some Jungians say it's like allowing the self to sort of run the show. The ego's still there, but the self is running the show. In other words, it's like, you know, let go and let God sort of an idea, something like that. All right. So this, the subject of the show today, of course, getting to this final thing that's a part of the psyche, the most important thing for our show today is the shadow. And it's this unknown and rejected part of ourselves that we're going to explore more deeply in a little bit uh, a little bit later in the show we're going to go go real do a deep dive into that that concept and some definitions and so on but first we're going to look at why it's so crucial to understand and integrate the shadow part of ourselves why it's so crucial so let's go ahead and take a look at that give me one second here all right so in terms of the individuation process that we just talked about, which is the goal of all this Jungian work, it's also known as self-realization. You know, it's growth. It's becoming our true self. All these ideas apply to the idea of individuation. You can't really nail it down. I mean, whole books have been written on individuation. But it's basically the process, as you said, of becoming whole. It's, you know, becoming whole and integrating all these parts of ourselves and living as a whole person. Um, so that's, that's probably the number one most important thing to know about why the shadow is important. It's a part of ourselves that's hard to see. It's almost impossible to see at times. And it's one of the most powerful aspects of ourselves. Um, so if we are not able to integrate and we're not able to use its energy constructively, we will be hampered, you know, constricted in our, in our wholeness building process. We won't have the energy we need. We'll have tremendous blind spots about ourselves, and so on. Do you have any more to add to that? Uh, so, yes, the um, you can't really be whole if you leave any part of it out. And ironically, that's sort of that's where the stuff you want to leave out. That's that's why yeah. you know it's stuff is put in the shadow. It's, it's, it's so yeah. actually to separate from yeah. you things you don't want to look at parts about yourself that you don't uh, accept exactly um, you know and, we'll, and a lot of it's these inner you know urges like you're talking about in the beginning these questions you know you just want to rip someone's face off when somebody posts something on facebook you don't like um it's like well what's this what's going on it's come no, from you know it's probably from, from this and then you go oh my gosh i don't want to think like that or once you catch yourself so mm -hmm. oh just just put that back in put the that shadow. down I, i'm you know then you run to the persona and try to touch up your face that you're showing to the world so they don't see your shadow and hopefully you don't see it either so yes that's the challenge it's it's a part of us that is disconnected uh detached it's the part we really really need to incorporate and integrate 
Um, but one of the great functions of it is to make things disappear. That's true. And, uh, you know, we'll go more. So it's a challenge. It's Absolutely. a very challenging. Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll go more deeply into that in this, in the next section after our, our break, but that, uh, that's a great, uh, great overview. Another important thing about integrating the shadow is like, is the idea that it really is necessary for our very survival as a species, as, as human beings. Uh, because when, when shadow elements of ourselves are not recognized and integrated, um, you know, we can do terrible things to other people, to, to animals, to the environment, to, you know, anything that, you know, gets our wrath. And so, you know, we can see this at work in the collective um, you know, just think back to World War II, some of the crazy stuff that was going on, the Holocaust, and then after, uh, after World War II, and, and even before, went during, um, um, during the revolution in Russia under Stalin's regime, um, you know, you can, the Salem witch trials to go way back, um, you know, more sort of uh, modern sense, you know, you see what was going on in Cambodia with the Khmer Rouge, and you know, things that the atrocities that occurred during the Vietnam War and, you know, and then, in the, you know, even it, it goes on and on and on. But you see this type of thing uh, play out, too, with with spiritual people, with so-called, you know, preachers of the word and so on. And they're railing against different individuals, you know, gays or, or different people that they don't agree with. Oftentimes you'll see those very preachers themselves get caught up in some sort of a scandal, getting caught with some you know, hustler or something. And, you know, it becomes this big scandal. And that's that sort of thing where we're, we're projecting onto others. You know, this projection process is where something in ourselves that we don't really see or acknowledge, we place on another individual or group. That's the process of projection. And that's very, very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. And like we said, we, you know, like I said, some of those things that can occur, these terrible atrocities, wars, etc. Um, one thing Jung uh, used to say, people used to ask him all the time if, if we would survive as a species, and this was during the, the atomic age, the early atomic age, and he would say, you know, we'll, we'll only survive if, if enough of us does our, do our inner work, if enough of us become conscious. I'm paraphrasing because he said this many, many different times in many places. But basically what he was saying is we have to integrate the shadow, to integrate these different parts of ourselves that we, we don't want to acknowledge that exist within us. Um, you have anything to add? Well, that's something about the shadow that it's, you can say, oh, things are repressed. That's where we put things we don't want to look at. And there's actually things in there too that we don't even know that, that are in there, mm -hmm. uh, that we didn't necessarily put in there in ourselves. Uh, it could be, you know, through family or culture that, uh, you know, are just part of our uh, our shadow content. Um, but you can't keep it restrained and repressed. And the lid doesn't, oh, you know, maybe for the first half of life, uh, you're too busy with external things. There isn't maybe time for this shadow. But, you know, in, you know, 30s, 40s, you know, <laughs> as you get uh, through some of that, you know, it starts leaking out. Uh, so it will project. Uh, you will put it on other people and then you'll point the finger and say, see, that's the one it's now, ah, if we just change this person or fix this person and got rid of that person, then we wouldn't have this problem. Uh, it's your problem. Exactly. <laughs> projecting. And, uh, but the projection in an odd sense too, is also very necessary mm -hmm. because sometimes that's the only way we, we, we can, can see it. 
Yeah. If we choose to see it as a projection, it gets lost in we're otherizing. Oh, this is another. Uh, it's not me. This is the other. Oh, and if we just put it on the other, then you won't see this shadow part in me because look at, look at this person over there. Uh, Great point. So it, it, it does leak out. Uh, it does show up. And that's, I think, what we're getting at is if you know, we can really read some of these signals and see the signs, we go, oh, my gosh, that was my shadow projection. And then you can reel it in. You can claim it and say, ah, this part of it's mine. And that's where you're consciously and deliberately working uh, with some of these shadow elements. Absolutely. And, you know, the shadow is closely related to the idea of the scapegoat, the scapegoat. Um, the third uh, shadow energy, uh, shadow energy is a necessary thing. So to be to be comfortable with it, to integrate it into yourself is a necessary and useful thing. It gives us it kind of if you want to use it, you know, for lack of a better word, teeth and claws. Um, you know, to survive in the world. It, it, it gives us energy and power, sort of righteous uh, anger if we need it. It gives us the, the kind of uh, guts and strength we need to defend ourselves or our families and so on. That's all in the shadow as well. Um, so that's a really important part of us. And so this is one of the things that's a big challenge today in this, you know, light working, nice, make nice, nice with everybody, um, you know, let's not argue or disagree with each other except behind each other's backs and so on society that we live in, you know, that shadow energy is, is again, something that's put down and then it comes out in these bursts of really destructive and angry tirades and, you know, um, harangues against other people and so on. And it just becomes a very dangerous and destructive thing. Um, but you need that type of shadow energy to move through and survive in life. So the last thing uh, that's important about the shadow. I'll let you talk a little bit about on this, on this subject is the gold that's in the shadow. Talk a little bit about that. Well, to say that the shadow is this repository of the things about ourselves that we are unwilling or unable to accept. And, you know, we, we don't really want some of the, and some of those bad things should in a sense, stay in the shadow uh, or at least not be expressed. They need to be integrated, but not expressed consciously or unconsciously in your outer world, because you're right, they can be very dangerous. Um, but there's an interesting phenomenon that um, come across and it's, you know, it shows up in, in poetry and in other scriptures that it's, all, it's easier to accept the negative parts of ourselves sometimes. Well, you know, I guess I'm just a jerk. Well, yeah, I was drunk. Yeah, my fault. Um, or you can even turn it inward and say, well, you know, this person left me and I guess therefore I'm a bad person. You can even make up negative stuff about yourself. That in some ways for many people is easier to do probably because it's in our culture than it is to really accept that we're more amazing than we think that we are, that we're so much more. Uh, all these good things. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I guess I did that. But, you know, that that was just when I was a kid or well, that was in high school. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know I ran football or something. Um, you know, we can or sometimes we throw the baby out with the bath water. Uh, a lot of times these things are commingled. Uh, they're connected in some way that say like uh, in a child sense. And this is where a lot of this stuff, the shadow really starts building up in, in childhood because we put our old toys away there. 
Um, but say, you know, dancing and, and um, expressing yourself freely and openly um, in the front yard or something is, you know, that's where your heart is and you're, you know, seven years old or six years old. And, and somebody says, oh, don't do that. You can't do, you know, get in here, you know, making all this noise, you know, interrupt the neighbors or something. It's, you know, through this fear or, you know, punishment or authority figure, what you do is you pack up singing and dancing openly and freely mm. <laughs> into a little box and you shove that in the shadow with this, oh gosh, I better not do this thing because I'll get hurt or I'll be in trouble if I do. So we, we and we kind of have to in a way um, because those are the only tools that we have to deal with. That's why these things never go away though and yeah. they show up later in life. But it is, but that's where the gold is. I mean, literally the gold is in the ground. That's where the mines are, the salt, the crystals, uh, it's all deep in the earth and it has to be dug up from this dark, scary, and yes, dangerous place. Uh, but that's where great the good point. stuff is. Yeah, yeah. Great point. And that's, uh, you know, and you're right about that. Oftentimes it's harder for us to accept those great things in ourselves than it is to, to dig up the old skeletons in the closet. All right. And now we're going to get into uh, the, uh, we're going to talk more about the shadow and we're going to get into actually what the shadow is, what the shadow is. So why don't you start uh, with that great Robert Johnson, uh, Robert Johnson um, quote from Owning Your Own Shadow. A lot of this material does come from the book Owning Your Own Shadow. Uh, we did actually do a, a podcast on this uh, way back. Uh, so if you want to check that out, go back in the, the archive and check out uh, Owning Your Own Shadow. Uh, so go ahead with that one and tell us a little bit about Robert Johnson's view on that. Well, I think we touched on it before on these uh, different aspects, but he goes through three, uh, three of them, persona, ego, and shadow. And he says, the persona is what we'd like to be and how we wish to be seen by the world. It is our psychological clothing and it mediates between our true selves and our environment, just as our physical clothing presents an image to those we meet. The ego is what we are and know consciously. The shadow is that part of us we fail to see or know. And that's, and that failure to see it, and this is me talking now, the, that failure to see it or know it can be deliberate or it can be unconscious or it can be just something that is unknown. There may be parts of ourselves that we didn't put down there. They've just, maybe they have been in the shadow all along without our knowledge and that's, we have failed to see it or know it, um, but that is what we do need to know and see. Mm -hmm. uh, well, a lot of know, it in order to. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it too, like you're saying, is stuff that um, I think is, you know, instinctual. It's stuff that's, you know, from, you know, prehistoric times and things like that and our really early, you know, iterations and evolution and so on. And so it has a quality of that's, you know, very earthy and very quote unquote primitive and so on and instinctual and animal like, you know, and that's why oftentimes uh, these instincts and some of these, these shadows type figures may, may show up in dreams or symbolism as, as animals or, um, you know, dark figures, um, you know, maybe something that's black, a crow or, you know, people dressed in black robbers, things like this are way that, you know, some ways that these symbols might show up in our dreams. Um, to tell us about this shadow part of ourselves. Okay, so I'm going to tell, or I'm going to read uh, from Yolanda Jacoby's 
Jacoby, excuse me, Psychology of C.G. Jung. This is a great book as well, The Psychology of C.G. Jung. Uh, So she says, Jung distinguishes between two different forms of the shadow, although he uses the same term for both. The first form is that of the personal shadow, containing psychic features of the individual which are unlived from the beginning of his life and or only scarcely lived. The second is the collective shadow. It belongs together with the other figures of the collective unconscious and corresponds to a negative expression of the old wise man or the dark aspect of the self. It symbolizes, as it were, the back of the prevailing zeitgeist, its hidden antithesis. So the zeitgeist is sort of the prevailing attitude of life at any given time that we live in. Um, and it so that the shadow then represents the, the sort of dark side or the opposite of that. So if we live in a very sort of technologically oriented society, then the antithesis of that would be, you know, a sort of more earthy kind of, um, you know, indigenous style culture, something like that. Not that it's bad. It's just a, a different aspect. It's like the opposite of what we're living in. Uh, another way of looking at the shadow then in terms or the collective shadow uh, in terms of its its dark aspect is the idea of the devil or a dark figure like that. Uh, so, you know, in essence, though, personally, that shadow, as we talked about, is that rejected side of you. And like you said, it can be stuff that you you push down that you know about yourself, but it can also be things that you don't know about yourself or, you know, a shaming that you received when you were young. It can also be um, something that society or culture has deemed unacceptable. And see, this is the thing that goes on. Basically, what they talk about the unions is that you know ego and shadow are formed simultaneously so uh you know and it also has to do with the persona as well that sort of uh, mask that you put on to fit into the given society uh, but the shadow portion then is the is the part of you that the society does not agree with it does not accept and some of that is necessarily pushed down you know, we need to push some of our darker elements that are within us and push them down, but they need to be in the shadow because they're, they're destructive. Um, you know, there's murderous impulses in all of us. There's, there's jealous impulses and, you know, just, just these very destructive impulses, which are potentially within us and they need to be in the shadow. Otherwise we wouldn't have a culture or a society. Then on the other hand, some of those things are just, you know, culturally accepted norms. And of course, we know how different those things are when you go from society to society. And, you know, uh, Robert Johnson talks about how, you know, in some cultures, it's, it's popular to burp after the meal. And in some, that's the height of rudeness. In some cultures, you're going to, you know, leave your shoes on when you go into a temple space or a church. And in some, if you don't take your shoes off, you're going to get thrown out. Um, you know, these are the sort of norms of, of society that you know that that we that we look at that are different cultural aspects of it and some then again some of some of those things will be pushed down into the shadow and then there's that like i said the, those more archetypal or destructive elements that are necessarily in the shadow and we need to be in touch with them but we don't need to necessarily play them out on a day-to-day basis otherwise it would be you know hell on earth for us you know what i mean I do. Yeah. And it's having that relationship with them. It's, and we have that with, um, you know, driving a car. Anytime we do anything that's potentially dangerous, you know, the 
shadow side or say like the, you know, the negative side of that would be, you know, to smash into another car or, you know, at any minute, you know, you could just jerk the steering wheel another way, but you keep that in check because that's, you know, it goes against your, your interest and the interest of the, the collective, but it's having that power and knowing it and also choosing not to indulge it. Uh, which is different than denying it it exists because that's when it becomes dangerous. Uh, when you think it's not even there or you don't think it's a problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you have no, you know, connection to it and you can't use the positive qualities in it and you don't, you don't even see it as a problem. And then you're, you know, that's when you act it out on other people through projections, right? Well, it never goes away. Yeah. And uh, in, you know, I don't even know when midlife is supposed to begin. Sometimes I think I'm way past it. And other times I think I'm just on the cusp of it. <laughs> um, but, you know, w at any point you know, in your life, when you start looking contemplatively uh, or within, um, there's, it'll start to, sh you'll become aware of it when it shows mm -hmm. up. And of course, you know, later on, you actually really want to deliberately go um, work on your shadow. And sometimes you don't have to dig too deep. A lot of times it really is there just below the surface. Um, yeah. And if we relax this shoving it down, it'll probably just naturally mm -hmm. rise on its own or with, you know, the eyes of sight, we can see, or I guess eyes of insight, sure. um, we can see, recognize this shadow projection. Uh, and, you know, there's even a, I, I'm losing the chapter and verse at the moment, but there's a, uh, a scripture in the uh, New Testament, um, I believe that it, or maybe it's a, a psalm or a proverb, but it says, you know, before I recognize, you know, the speck in your eye, I must first look at the beam that is in mine. Yeah, that's actually that's Jesus. Yes. So that's uh, Jesus, New Testament. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Good so point. that is a shadow projection, but it also very clearly shows you know, where the, the bigger part, a little speck of, of dust uh, is a beam. That's a, that's a big wall. You build a house with a beam. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so the relationship between the two, um, yes, I see it in you, but if I see a little bit in you, that probably, it takes one to know it, it that there's a, not only that in me, but probably a bigger one. And that I should look at that one first Absolutely. and deal and Tim pull that one out. Yeah. And that's so in one line, one, you know, quote it, that is really at the heart of uh, shadow projections and what to do about it. Absolutely. Which uh, segues us into that, that ne the next section, which is the how to part of it, how to do the shadow work. How do we safely and constructively begin to do this work? And I, you just uh, outlined a great, a great part of it, which is recognizing and acknowledging that it's there first. You've got to see that that beam in your own eye first and re recognize and acknowledge that it's there before you can even begin to look at this stuff. Um, sort of the second way then to, to begin to do this work is to, to notice when things trigger you, quote unquote, or you get mad or you get gripped by emotions and stop in that moment when you get those emotional outbursts that seem unreasonable and investigate what's going on. Think about what it is that's pushing your buttons. And if either you can see that, then you're, you know, and find that cause, then you're kind of getting a, you know, you're starting to see maybe the hazy outlines of the shadow. Or if you can find no cause at all, 
there's a good chance that you're going to need to do work and dig up some of that shadow material and start watching your dreams and so on. So that's another good place you can look is, is to look to the dreams, see what's coming up in your dreams. Uh, a third way to deal with this stuff, and this is the uh, kind of concrete example of this Robert uh, Johnson gave, he would, he, you know, the other side of shadow work that needs to be done is this sort of balancing that needs to occur between the constructive and productive and positive side of yourself and then the more destructive side of yourself that maybe is more in the shadow. Uh, so uh, uh, Dr. Von Franz, uh, one of the famous disciples, uh, first generation analysts, and uh, Miss Hannah, Miss Barbara Hannah, uh, they lived uh, together in Switzerland. And they would have this uh, they would have this thing where whenever something really good occurred to one of them, one or the other of them, if they had a really good piece of uh, luck or something, the uh, that person would then be on garbage detail for X amount of time. And they would have to take out the garbage for for so long to kind of counteract that good uh, that good thing that happened and sort of paying out the to the dark side in a sort of ritual way. And I thought that's an interesting idea. Um what did you think of that? Did you, do, do you remember reading that? Um, well, not specifically, but it, you know, I mean, the shadow has its, just like the yeah. ego has its own mind. The shadow has its own mind and set of goals and, um, you know, preferences yeah. um, and ways of going about things. Um, it's a living part of, of yourself, your larger yeah. self. Uh, and again, if we're not involved with it, uh, consciously and constructively, um, it'll just keep showing up, uh, projecting itself, uh, you know, in dreams. You think, well, that was just a nightmare. Then you slush it off or it'll project on other people and you say, well, look how bad yeah. they are. And then you can just, you know, but it, keep, it keeps coming up. And, you know, one another thing about the shadow is it, since it is more connected with our animal nature, uh, maybe our instinctive uh, part of ourselves. Uh, it's also the creative and intuitive because, you know, what I'm seeing is as we're talking about this is this kind of three, three-way connection between the persona, which we show the world, the ego, uh, which we kind of know about ourselves, and then the shadow, the parts that we don't or don't want to have. Uh, say if the culture or society or the relationship says, well, don't do that, that's not appropriate. Uh, then that part of you that wants to express in that way has to get pushed in the shadow because you want to save face. You want to keep this persona going or you don't want to look at yourself like that. So it gets created all the time. And um, I guess I go back to the New Testament again. Uh, there's the, the line, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God's. When uh, I believe Jesus was asked about, you know, what well, should we pay our taxes or what? Uh, so maybe then look at it that way, render to the ego and the persona, um, what belongs to that. And yes, you don't want to burst out in, you know, anger at, at, at every little thing that bothers you when you're on the subway or trying to, you know, get through life, uh, in the world. Um, but you also then have to deal with that impulse. If maybe not do it in society yeah. with your, the face that you show to the world, but in your life in some way, uh, yeah, great. it has to be done with ritually or you go out in the woods and some survival thing, go to boot camp, uh, whatever you need to do to get that visceral 
experience out, uh, then you really have both. You're honoring that animal shadow impulse that, yes, is dangerous, could be destructive. Done properly, it can be very invigorating. <laughs> you can feel really alive when you come back from some of these intense retreats. Uh, but it doesn't have to spoil things in your everyday life. So you're kind of getting the best Good of point. both. Yeah, and that ritual is a really important way to do that. It's, um, you know, ritual is a way that we can live out some of these things um, sort of uh, safely. Uh, the psyche really doesn't know the difference between a quote-unquote real act and a ritual one. And, you know, it's the same as, as it doesn't know the difference between a really a deeply emotionally held visualization and an actual event. Uh, you know, the psyche and the unconscious don't really know the difference. They live in a, they have a, a different logic, uh, you know, than the conscious mind does. Uh, so rituals are a great way uh, to, to sort of pay out the dark side, to sort of pay out the shadow side of oneself. You know, you may do a ritual that involves some burning or something. For example, you could write out some negative things that occurred, you know, in your mind, or maybe you're really angry at a person. You could write out a letter to them, how much they piss you off and you know, all these different things, and then actually not send it to them, but burn that up and kind of let it go. It allows you to vent off that energy in a constructive way, but then not necessarily put that onto the other person. Uh, active imagination is another really powerful way to do shadow work. And active imagination is like a a visualization that you do with yourself um, and you may go into a deep state of meditation or a relaxed state and you know work on uh, some sort of visual construct where you can act you know you can act out some of these things that are aggravating you you can have it out with that person in your mind that you're upset at or something and do it harmlessly um, and that's a powerful way to do that uh, that's, you know, that's one of the ways that really allows us to sort of take these projections back. Um, something else you could do, another active imagination you could do is dialogue with the shadow itself. So you could actually take a piece of paper, for example, type this out on your computer. You could have a me and you could have a shadow and you can talk with that shadow part of yourself, you know, get into kind of a deep sort of introspective, you know, contemplative state and, you know, spend you know, 15 or 20 minutes sort of dialoguing with this part of yourself and imagine this shadow within yourself and let it speak, you know, and at first these things are kind of weird. And, you know, we think that, oh, how am I going to just, I'm just talking to myself. I'm making this up. But just like when you do art, eventually these parts of yourself or these, you know, different artistic elements in the, in the, in, you know, in the art world, like uh, they begin to speak for themselves and it sort of comes through you. It's not you making it up and these things begin to have a sort of autonomous voice. So the more that you do this work, the more that you honor the shadow and honor these parts of yourself and actually talk to them, the more sort of positively autonomous they become and they begin to give you information that you didn't know consciously. And I think that's a really powerful thing. Can you think of any more uh, ritual ideas or active things that one could do to, to work with a shadow that, that you, that you do or know about? Uh, definitely. Yes. And I want to start kind of, kind of quickly said though, about, because we are kind of wrapping it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that um, this dialogue with the shadow, uh, I would recommend getting even more specific. So say if it is a triggering thing and this, you know, person in power or uh, in your house or down the street or in your past, wherever this uh, person is that makes you so angry, name it. 
not the person, name the anger. Mm. Okay, and this is really important because you're, you're saying, okay, not just, okay, shadow. You're like, okay, anger, which is in my shadow. <laughs> I see you. I hear you. You are, you have my attention now. Sometimes these are hungry ghosts. They need to be fed, uh, but they need proper nutrition. They don't need to be indulged or coddled or denied, uh, but they need to be fed. And the way we can feed them is to integrate them. So you ask them what they want. What, what is it that you, why are you calling, it's like a dog that's barking, you know, it's, well, shut up dog. Well, maybe the dog's trying to tell you something, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, maybe Timmy's trapped in the well and Lassie's trying to uh, communicate. Um, so ask what this is, it's especially if it's a very uncomfortable feeling. Uh, and there's two things going on there. Here, you're, you're really pinpointing it. Um, you have my attention. Uh, and by calling it out and calling it by the name, here's something very, very important. This is vital with any kind of inner work, especially shadow work, is that you separate yourself <laughs> from this aspect of yourself because it gets conflated, it gets fused into you. So, oh, I am angry. I am an angry person. Instead of, I have anger, this angry part of me. Okay, anger, you're not me, you're not all mm -hmm. of me. Uh, you are this part of me and I'm responsible for you. Uh, but that way you get a little bit of separation and a little bit is enough. Uh, but you have to have that. Otherwise, there's, there's, you can't get any leverage yeah. uh, between it because then you're mired in it. Uh, you know, then you're in this complex and I am this thing. I am angry. I am an asshole. I am all this like, well, you might be acting that way, but that's not you. Because if that's you, you're really kind of screwed. But if you get a little bit of you know, space from it, even just that one degree of separation by calling it by name. Hi, I'm Chris. And oh, hi. Hello, anger. Yeah, you're this anger that I have of my many aspects. And I'm asking you, what is it you want? What, what has been lost? What are you afraid of? Um, how did you get wounded? A lot of you know, angry animals are, uh, a lot of times they're just wounded yeah, or yeah. afraid. That's when they're really, really scary. So come to it with that way. How did you get hurt? What are you afraid of? How can I help to where you don't have to be so angry? Great point. Uh, that's, yeah. It sounds weird like you're talking to yeah. yourself, but, but you're not really talking to yourself. To you're a, talking, you are yourself and you're talking to a part of yourself that needs your help. Great point. Yeah. And you make that distinction. It gives you that leverage. And of course, you always have to remember if those autonomous parts become too strong and they begin speaking to you in ways that are very uncomfortable and telling you things to do and you find yourself acting on things that are destructive or lashing out at people or doing harmful things you need to you know you need to seek some some mental health care from a psychiatrist or psychologist because you know these autonomous complexes uh running amok you know as a sign of uh, of mental illness when they're just a part of yourself that you're dialoguing with that's not something you need to worry about of course but if you find that you're you know you have impulses that you act out on uh from different parts of yourself you definitely need to to look into getting some mental health care um, so that's something to think about. So most importantly, then just to wrap this up in daily life, just look at these projections, look at the things that are pushing your buttons, uh, look at the things that are upsetting you, triggering you quote unquote, 
and, you know, really begin to start to own those things and take those back and look where they're coming from. Look at the, the shadow projections that you're making on people and begin to own those things and realize those are parts of you. You know, that's the most important thing we can do. And if we can all take back our shadow projections, we really can make a, a better world ultimately and just a better place in our families and our relationships and the world at large uh, if we begin to bring back those shadow projections. So we talked about today what, what the shadow is. We talked a little about Jung and his concept, how it relates to the, the persona and the ego. We talked about why it's important. Of course, one of those things, why it's so important is for our very survival. And then, of course, for your own individuation process and then to find that gold in the shadow. Uh, we looked at uh, what the shadow is. You know, We dove down into that. And then we looked at a few ways to, to do that shadow work active imagination, ritual, uh, balancing out the creative work with, uh, with some, some, some ritual and so on. Uh, maybe doing that garbage detail that, that Von Franz and Miss Hannah did, uh, things like that. Uh, so that was the, that was the basic understanding of the show today. Um, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we hope that you like the new, uh, the new format. Thank you, Chris, for all your great, uh, your great help today. Appreciate sure. it. Anything else uh, to kind of wrap it up with? Uh, just very quickly, since we started on it, we can bookend it. Uh, these three aspects um, that were outlined by Robert Johnson, the persona, what we show the world, the ego, what we know about ourselves, and the shadow, the things we don't want to see or know. Basically, those are the three dimensions of a person. If you want to be a three-dimensional person, well, if you want to be a one-dimensional person, just show your mask. Believe your mask, shine up your mask, show it to the world, and convince yourself that's who you are. If you want to be two-dimensional, you need this showing and then you need this thinking so you could be you know powerful in business uh everything like that you could be very knowledgeable you could be a professor uh, but you still only have those two dimensions the third dimension the depth that really gives heart and meaning um, and excitement to your life is through doing shadow work great point dangerous yeah. as it is it's very powerful and it, and it brings life to things that otherwise would just be a dead mask or just some uninspired skill no matter how skillful or knowledgeable without this more inspiring energetic visceral life great force great point um, absolutely well, thank you again for joining us we really appreciate you uh thank you for all of our listeners who support the show the cosmic eye show thank you. um you know, we're exploring Jungian mythological and esoteric ideas to help you on the path to individuation and self-realization each week. So join us each Sunday with our show. Um, and we look forward to, uh, to visiting with you. Uh, if you can, please support us at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye or uh, purchase Chris and I's uh, uh, books. Uh, Chris is the spirit in the sky. And my book is If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. And you can check out Chris at chrissheridan.com or check us out at cosmiceye.org. Thanks again. Have a great week. Join us next Sunday. Goodbye and God bless. <laughs>